Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all How you doing, man? How's it going? Hey, yeah, Jason. Good night. Uh, good night. Bon dia. Good night. Bon night. Like, I'm so... I don't know how it is. All right. I don't know how it is with you when you have to speak a different mother tongue for, um, you know, as long as I did, which was two weeks, and then having to kind of flip back languages. But it has not been easy. I don't know why. Okay. I've, ne- I've never struggled <laughs> this much transitioning from English to Portuguese and vice versa. So I'm all over the place. So... I might, uh, your, yeah, hope. Your first language as a baby, was it Portuguese with your folks? It was, yeah. And I've actually okay. I've actually been doing some reading on that. And it's both an asset and a detriment. Um, so, like, full credit to my parents. I think they did the right thing. Um, okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash them on this. So, yeah, my first language was Portuguese. Apparently, I only spoke English when I went to kindergarten. It's funny how, um, it's funny how things were, I guess, early 80s. And um, my mom was really the only one that spoke English in the house. So I guess you could say when I was born, both my father and I were learning English at the same time. I'm sure it was a lot harder for him being a 30-something-year-old man. But um, yeah, I went to school with no English. And then I quickly lost my Portuguese, maybe when I was okay. around 10. And then I I think, um, I think my parents kind of put an end to that and started speaking more. And then I myself really challenged myself when I was um, 18 and then really Facebook for me really helped because it was a chance for me to connect with all my cousins and okay. here, here they were trying to practice their English. And I was really diligent about, um, you know, <laughs> learning more Portuguese is the wrong answer. I just want like, basically I have a basic set of, of, of Portuguese. Like I have like a certain okay. level that, yeah. that I that I but just to maintain that I knew I had to do my uh, do some work so that's pretty much how I approached um my mastery I guess you could say of, of the little Portuguese I had just kind of honed in on what I have and just um just try to keep it and we'll continue okay. to do so yeah nice I um in my family it's just English all the way through even to my grandparents so we've never I've never had encountered that uh, mm. issue um but I know what you mean like I've when I've moved countries, like, cause I studied Chinese in China. So when I went back like seven years later, after living in Toronto again, when I was working, I was reconnecting with old friends who, I mean, not just the expats, but some of them were local who they, I was saying to some of them, like, I haven't used my Chinese in like seven years, really like, uh, mm-hmm. like conversationally. So some friends would, we'd be texting and cause I could still type in Chinese, which is, which yeah. is easier. Cause it's like, you've, you know, written and all that. So then the friends would say, hey, it's funny because I haven't really used my English in seven years. So let's see how this goes. There so you then, go. Uh, but it's just funny how it can kind of just come right back to you. All these different words. I mean, you know, here and there. I mean, it'll never be perfect. But um, okay, man. So how was your trip? How was uh, it? Was, how was Portugal? Uh, yeah, I certainly don't recommend traveling during a global pandemic. Um, <laughs> that's for right. sure. Like this was not fun in many ways. It was just really yeah. a chance to me to, for me and my family, just to kind of, um, you know, say some. Well, you're seeing you know, family, right? You're seeing your grand grandparents, something. Yeah, my grandfather. I still have a living right. grandfather, so you know, you can imagine him seeing his great grandchildren for the first and. Uh, 
You know, I mean, it would be yeah. nice if it wasn't the last time, but uh, the basically the reason why we did go is because he is in poor health. So, you know, it was it was just that kind of trip, and we yep. made the best of it. Um, it is funny because Portugal is like a second home to me, but seeing like, like okay, I'm I'm married now with two kids, so me vacationing like I did when I was young <laughs> and single that that certainly was not what I was expecting, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just really weird. So, quick thing about Portugal, they really um they're really big on the masks. The masks, I sound like okay. someone. They're really okay. big on masking up. Um mask up in the parks, okay. doesn't matter, open air, restaurants, even if it's patio. Okay. Everyone whenever you can will will mask and they're they're really good about that. And um okay. but you know, Enforced? like not Is really like just a, like, like okay, okay, there's there's a specific there's, duty. There's civic duty. There's posted signs. Um, okay. I've been told that like, yeah, like a bylaw officer or just, you know, like the Portuguese equivalent to an RCMP, which is basically the cop there. Um, that's like the local cop is like the federal cop. They'll just come around and just be like, you know, just be just, Hey, mask up, let's go. Right. Okay. Type of thing. Okay. And just, and just, but, but just while walking away, they're not going to stand there and cite you or anything like that. Okay. They'll just, they'll okay. just kind of just be walking by and Hey, you Act buddy, you know, exactly okay and so there's there's that um i went to some restaurants which you know wasn't really too happy that i did but um you know so things are functioning things are good like things are, are functioning kinda... okay i think i got out at the right time because the english are now allowed to travel in portugal without quarantining okay. because they weren't before so oh, i think God. we left at the good time um it was really interesting because Portugal was hosting the Champions League finals. Basically, the uh, okay. Portugal uh, Lisbon was um, the bubble city for the, the rest of Champions League. So they hosted like the last eight games, and okay. all the teams were there, and all the fans came. And even though okay. they weren't allowed in the stadium, they were still they sh- like okay. partying. Yeah, and yep, they were partying. They were looting. They were just like <laughs> they're 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 hooligans, right? <laughs> and so they weren't allowed in the soccer stadiums. And yet the Portuguese, um, so Portugal has a fully functioning and still relevant communist party. Um, yes, okay. you did hear that correctly. They have a, they have a communist party and they, like they, um, they have a festival every year. It's, it's really a festival. Think like Montreal jazz festival and maybe okay. like, maybe like Carabana, like lumped in the yeah. one. It's really, really weird vibe. The, they were able <laughs> to pull it off because it's quote, it's a political rally. And okay. the government can't stifle political rally, but it's, it's a festival, man. I mean, like I've gone to it before. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So um, it still went ahead with it. So okay. they weren't allowed to host soccer events, but you know, a bunch of tree hugging commies were allowed to congregate and like, you know, still do their thing, which was hilarious. So, um, so that was, that. Oh, I do want to tie in the uh, basketball to Portugal that every year. So I got a park near me. I actually okay. have a little parkette that's that's near the apartment that we live. Um, it's about 20 years old, and it went from a four-on-four kind of picture like uh, picture like a cross, and kids can play like you could play four-way soccer. It's it's kind of hard okay. to visualize, but but think of like four teams with one ball and all playing. Okay, and, I'm and, thinking of a gym class type game we might have done when we were kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so what happened was there was always these basketball hoops underneath the 
the soccer net. So you could always play soccer. Sorry, you could always play basketball if you had the... And over the years, I've just been seeing more and more basketball being played there to the point that I went there this year. They actually scrapped the soccer nets. They actually put in two pretty decent size and pretty decent quality um, basketball hoops, like the type you'd see in like, I'm sure Bay Area here in Toronto, like by Harbor okay. Front, just, just just stuff that's durable, that's going to last a couple of seasons that, you know, you know okay. kids are going to dunk on it, just reinforce steel, et cetera. So that was really cool to see that they kind of went all in on this basketball thing. A lot more kids playing basketball. I was with my kids and I really had the itch to play pickup ball, but during COVID, it's kind of told not to, right? Um, I was wearing my James Harden shirt. I don't know how that happened, but I I seemed to. (laughs) And a guy was just like, oh, like he's so sick. Did you see yesterday's game? And I'm like, yeah, it was one of the Rockets' wins. Um, And I was seeing, uh, I even saw a. I saw a Kevin Durant Nets jersey worn by a oh, guy. Wow. Yeah, so so uh, basically the Portuguese are like like you're not going to get too many kids that can afford top shelf gear. If they do, it's like, you know, you're going to get just like here in North America, right? What goes on the discount rack as soon as a player leaves sure. a team, right? So you get okay. a lot of that in Portugal, but I saw a lot of like just yeah, really relevant jerseys with a lot of names and Raptors okay. and you know I, I yeah I saw a guy with uh I saw a guy with a Raptors Leonard shirt I saw a guy with uh tons of LeBron LeBron's still king even in Portugal but <laughs> yeah it was really cool to see I don't know if I was looking out for it um more than I have but yeah okay I mean, Portugal, caught you by surprise yeah I mean Portugal is always going to be a soccer first country but it's kind of nice to see this uh a little bit of basketball creep in so that was a nice touch interesting okay so then let's start with this the the end of the series right now because I know that's definitely on our minds like just I love a bullets where we'll do a postmortem on what the Raptors can do in the future where they go from here but just how did you view what were your thoughts through like this Boston series so when I'm watching and then the, the end yeah uh, the Boston series it kind of um so I think I picked Boston in six yeah I did I picked Boston six and they okay. won seven but um, I didn't think, I actually thought Boston would have, I thought Boston would win those six, uh, sorry, I thought Boston would win four out of six, kind of like how the Raptors okay. did to the Warriors last year, but man, Toronto just made it really ugly to the point where Boston forgot, like, <laughs> Boston forgot how, because... Boston just had like let's just list the advantages that I think Boston has, which is okay. size, yeah. length, speed. Um, I think they shot for a better percentage for the most part. Um, their transition D, which everyone commented on. So, um, and friends of the show and and another podcasting team, um, uh, Raptors rant. They I actually caught one of their podcasts when um, when I was overseas, and they they made a really good point that I. I couldn't help but not see every single game that I saw after that, which was Boston gets into the Toronto half court so easily, and they're just able to create a shot whenever they want. And it's almost like when they miss, they miss because that's just how shooting percentages work, right? Whereas Raptors had to work so hard. And yes, Raptors did get open looks, and yes, they did miss plenty of easy shots, but it just seemed like they had to work twice as hard on offense than Boston did. Um, so that was my big takeaway that 
Yeah, like the if Toronto did win in the end, yeah, that's great. They would have won. They would have, but in my opinion, Toronto would have beaten the better team in terms of yeah. If if I'm doing like if if I'm playing NBA 2K, I'm sorry, I'm just seeing guys like Tatum and Brown just being like off the charts compared to Fred, Kyle, and 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 Pascal. I'm just seeing like I just think they're they're better they're better individually and it was just going to come down to who could ask, execute in the final minutes. But I think Boston on paper did have the more talented team. It's just whether or not, you know, Nick nurse could have pulled a rabbit out of his hat, which he almost did. I mean, it went to game seven and Nick's a great coach and I'll get into, um, I'll defend him more later, which might come as a shock to some people. But um, so those were kind of my quick hits about it. So it's like, yeah, Boston won. They were like the better team, I think. I'm not for sure, but yeah, I think I think the better team won. Yeah, I agree. I think I was proved wrong. I, I misjudged it. I thought Toronto was, I was based on whatever I was seeing for the regular season and their resilience and how they were playing through the bubble, except against Boston, which really should have counted for more looking back now but Boston was the better team throughout the series I mean they were half a second away from going up 3-0 which I mean that would have surprised me I wouldn't have expected that but I mean just first before I go into more of the rest of the playoffs I just want to say that that OG shot I don't know I was in the bar I wasn't getting my first haircut in California at the time because things oh, okay. opened up a bit so I was in the barber shop and um, I'm in Japantown first of that pass was truly amazing yes. that shot goes in and this, the barbershop erupts like everyone's just running around. Everyone's just going crazy. It was, uh, it's just, it's one that's going to get played, uh, you know, for like in the future. It, it, it's just one of those all timers. I love OG's reaction afterwards. Yes. I just, mean, yeah, just all business. Loved it. I don't know. Um, you actually, you actually made me think of, we think of the OG shot and what great of a pass was. I, I actually don't know why Kyle Lowry is often an inbounder during crunch time. Oh, but that makes sense to me though. Because, okay. like, he, you need somebody who's going to make some good decisions, who has good judgment, who knows the court, who knows the teammates, who, he who, who's calm under pressure. Yeah, but but the same can be said about the person you want to take in the shot as well, right? No, that's true. So, mm-hmm. like, the thing is, when you have to inbound with a few seconds, with only, like, one or two seconds left. In this case, half really a quick. second. Yeah. Half a second. You can't mess around with that stuff, right? it's so important to get the inbound in and they're going to be so locked into preventing that inbound. That last play where OG was inbounding that, that I didn't really agree with that. I'm like, you want that guy on the court. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anything too. I'm not sure that OG was like, was he the best suited to make that inbound pass? Well, like, he was, he was not the maybe. first option. I think, I believe they said that he was definitely not the first option. It was just kind of oh, okay. the play that, pres- yeah, well, pretty sure I heard that. Mm-hmm. To do no 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 I meant I meant in game seven sorry like you're right oh, in the gotcha. final in game three he was not the first option like Kyle was looking mm. for Pascal Kyle, uh, Fred and uh, whoever <clears throat> and then ended up OG just slipped to the back there to your point every possession throughout the series it was it was always the Raptors doing everything they could to keep up with Boston and they were doing a really good job of it I mean they were one two possessions away from winning the series really like. That it could have, it could have, any number of sequence of events in kind of in that fourth quarter had gone just slightly differently, could have changed the whole outcome. But I agree that the the better team won as it was supposed to happen. And then um, um, I thought in Game Seven, let's just toning a bit on that. Like the Raptors came out firing; they were came, they came out with great energy, just doing everything very well for like for like forty minutes, basically. Like once they got into the fourth quarter. 
somewhere in the middle of that fourth quarter, not even the middle, but somewhere in that fourth quarter, just things started to, I don't know what was going on. Like it was a bit of a, a freeze up, just maybe mentally in a lot of guys' parts. They just weren't cutting. They weren't moving. They weren't passing. Every, like the Raptors had the ball. They're in the half court. And, and, and throughout the three quarters, they were doing what they're supposed to do. And offense and defense. And just for whatever reason, it just broke down into, it was either Fred or Norm or Kyle, like trying to drive individually. Um, and it just, it just wasn't really working. Um, can I hit you with a pin maker and okay. lock it or accept it or fight back? Okay. Uh, I think, uh, and it's funny because post-mortem, I'm still feel like I'm the only one that has this view and I had it going to the Boston series. Okay. Is Fred Van Vliet an NBA starter on an NBA championship team? Um, he can be. Why not? I mean, if Derek Fisher can be, why can't Fred? Depends who the, who the other teammates are. Okay, thank you. You're getting into my next point. Now, this might seem incredibly shallow and superficial, but unless you can name one, or they might be the first two if given if, if Toronto's able to run it back and somehow they can pull it off, I can't think of a non-dunking backcourt that's ever won an NBA championship. And people might say, well, what the hell does that mean? They can't dunk. Well, this is what I mean. Um, Dunking is a form of athleticism and Mm. height and reach. It's not just the act of dunking. Like, you know, Gary Payton wasn't a dunker, but I never saw him as undersized. Um, There's lots of guards that don't dunk. But a point guard and a shooting guard that can't dunk. And then when they throw in Norm, I'm thinking – Wow, this is really sm- like when 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 the announcers are saying, "Oh, Toronto's going small." I'm like, "You guys are going really small because now you've got Norm, who <laughs> should be a guard, and you're playing him at the small." Um, yeah, am I crazy for thinking that like two non-dunking guards is just not going to cut it in the NBA? So I, I like that the way you framed it too. It's a really interesting take. I mean, I know what you're saying is dunking. It's actually a proxy for the athleticism and what that is what athleticism is required to win because like when the warriors were winning through that before the warriors won there was always that criticism usually from guys like chuck and the old school guys saying you you know you just can't jump shooters can't win a championship right you live by the you live by the jump shot you die by the jump shot and well then they won and and but the thing is is to your point clay is not just he's just a shooter he actually has like that length and that height and athleticism mm-hmm. that he can at least compensate for Curry. I mean, and then he also had other guys like Iggy. But like when you, we look through the history, I cannot think of a championship where both guards were at undersized. And that does make a difference. So it's not about the shooting. It's about, yeah, like, well, if you're so undersized that when you get switched on defense, that the guys can just shoot over you. Or even when you're going to contest at the rim, like what's, what's Kyle or – Fred gonna do if he something if they somehow end up there. So, like that's a good point. I think though. Um, and 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 uh, Fred's last shot. Fred's last shot. Fred can. I was wrong about Fred. I thought that Fred can't drive and create his own shot. He did a bit of both. He actually surprised me. But at the end, but what I think Fred's strength is is feeding off a number two and a number three option when he has it on the court. When Kyle Lowry. Um, fouled out, and you know, you know, they weren't drawing up a play for Pascal. 
And pretty much Boston knew, oh, Fred's Fred's got to take this shot. He's he's the one. And it just looked he looked like a fish out of water trying to dribble drive inside and out of that three point line. And he put up that shot that I've probably put up in a YMCA court. It just yeah. did not look like a confident okay. NBA shot. So that that is he almost confirmed my bias on well, that. Well, no, let point. me pick that apart a little bit. That goes right. back to what I was saying, what was happening in the fourth quarter. And I don't know if it were broken plays or if nurse's scheme just sort of went off for a quarter, but all those half court plays was no, I didn't see Raptors cutting. I didn't see them moving around to generate any mm-hmm. kind of kinetic energy where there'd be an opening for a drive. Like, and I think that's what Fred was looking for, but he couldn't get it. And that, that shot was really mm-hmm. a, uh, a desperation type shot where he had to shoot because of the weather where they were in the clock and there were no other openings. And so that's what it was. But then his shot actually got blocked by, um, I forget the rookie's name there in Boston. Now, just going back to Norm Powell for a second, when they went, mm-hmm. small, I mean, I know what nurse was trying to do. They were trying to get the quickness and athleticism on defense, the switching to sort of mix things up. Now the, the, the challenge was that whenever Boston could break through and get the ball to Tice, there was no one taking him on. I always thought that Toronto, Toronto did have the size advantage among the bigs. Like if they wanted to, and I don't know if Marcus Gasol is injured, but like Mark Gasol, this should have been his series. It, it seriously should have just been a, just pass the ball into the post. Mark's going to go to work and he's just, or he doesn't need to go to work too much. He's just going to collect all those rebounds and clean up points, like offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. And that would have been the series, but for whatever reason, he just got a lot more timid and I don't know why. Um, and um, Serge had his moments. I mean, I, I get what Nurse was trying to do, and that's why he brought Powell into the game. And I think that they were having pretty good success in game six. And so that's what they were doing when they were going small. Um, and you know what, though? Like, we're not, there's nothing really to nitpick. They lost by one to two possessions. That's basically what it was. You know, great season, great effort. Let's say like a couple minutes on the general Toronto reception, and then we'll move on to the other, other series. Cause like, I know oh that there's, but like, you know, we don't need to turn the turn into a let's hate the whole city no, type no, of podcast. No, no, but no. but I'll say that like I just think it's the culture in Canada, just a hater culture. We don't like how don't, how, like, so, how soon they forget, right? Let's 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 leave let's leave Montreal out of this because they know how to lose. I mean, they they riot, they riot when they win, they when they lose. But you know, I would say Mont- as being a pseudo Montreal Canadiens fan, um, just to okay. you know. Um, level off the heat and to piss off some some local Toronto people here. Um, they know how to lose. They know how to contextualize seasons. They know when they're due for a cup or due for a deep run. And when it doesn't happen, um, yeah. So I would leave Montreal out of this. I think it's um, – I get okay. what you're saying about Canadians complaining and they just they sometimes don't know how good they have been. And, like you just want to well, ring the year before. But Like what, what did you think, right? Like – Oh, we're just as good. No, you're not just as good. That's just sort of a theme yeah. that has been brought into the classrooms. I remember growing up. Oh, we're just as good as America. Oh, we're just as good. Just as, <laughs> no, no, we're not. I no, know. no, no. I like, know. Oh, and, my God. And, so, and that's so true. The people supported the team last year. Like, that was good for TV. It was kind of mm-hmm. good branding for the city. But it is – it's a I don't know. There's a bit of a spoiled brat type of element to it. Like the the it's almost like the people that showed up to Jurassic Park last year and to, to show up blindness because they knew that the American media was going to cover it, national coverage, and they were being praised by ESPN and Mike Breen and all these guys. And mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, that's how I'm. That's how I, I can feel validated as a person because mm-hmm. I get no other validation by being in Canada. Like that's almost what was going through 
all their minds subconsciously. That's kind of how I was seeing it. Can and, I tell you what's? Can I tell you what's yep. like the embodiment of what you just said? This Canadian, okay. accept, this Canadian. You close this part out because I should stop ranting at this point. You know. Well, yeah, I going. just I love it when like especially basketball. Um, kind of <laughs> kind of in baseball too. Just okay. So picture. Okay. Let's let's combine the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Raptors. So you know Americans and Dominicans playing baseball, and you know just a bunch of Americans playing basketball. Fine, you get this. You'll get like one Canadian and yeah. you know an, an African and a European and, a, uh, and an Argentinian player. Um, it's like the Canadian national anthem is playing. The it's a playoff game and everyone's in Jurassic Park and they're all wearing stupid white t-shirts because you know they hand out t-shirts before the game. So it's one monochromatic <laughs> crowd. And the guy that's supposed to sing the anthem, some like David Foster type, is stop singing halfway, and the crowd is singing the Canadian national anthem, and the announcers are going nuts, and like these Canadians are singing the like the Canadian national anthem, and do they not realize that these players that you're singing the anthem for don't know the words? They're just here because it's just a, <laughs> it's just a business arrangement. Like you guys are so proud to sing your anthem. Meanwhile, your country. Canadian, like Canada has nothing to do <laughs> with why you're watching a professional basketball contest yeah. at that time. You just like, they just don't, they don't, they can't buy a clue as to why they're even at a game. Toronto is just a city that <laughs> it's same reason why I'll work in like Vancouver if I ever got a job there or Seattle. Like it's just, you know, I'm yeah, just there on yeah. business, man. And you're singing this national anthem. <laughs> like, this is our team. It's like, no, it's not your team. You don't own these players. They're just here because they're getting paid to. They would, you don't. Uh, so that's like the embodiment of your, because I'm, I'm picturing like, you know, in grade 10, we're learning about Joseph Brandt and, and, you know, how Canadians, you know, churn butter and tap maple trees and stuff <laughs> like that. And we think we're the best. And yeah. And then how, you know, to to cap it all off, it's like we had this wonderful parade coast to coast last year. All these hub cities, you know, getting behind Toronto truly is a global game. And yeah, and then, you know, the drips come out at night, right? It's um, it's these uh, LinkedIn, Starbucks, pumpkin slice guys going to the office being like, oh, I, I knew Pascal was uh, was a terrible player. And Pascal is not uh, Kawhi Leonard. It's like, yeah, he's he's not, almost by definition. I'm sure they're not even the same person. Um, and yeah. what's the worst part about Pascal is I've told you I did not buy into Pascal. But once he was slowly getting to be an all-star form and i was so happy he made the all-star team it was like damn it you proved me wrong thank you mr siakam for proving me wrong you're here you're one of us and like you know uh good luck the rest of the year and now we're shitting on this guy and even nick nurse um yeah i get why he played norm i get why he um didn't play surge and kept pascal um out there this guy allegedly watches like 10 hours a game phil even i'm like having to support nick nurse who i've been kind of like pumping the brakes on because just again how soon we forget how soon some of these toronto fans forget it's it's sickening actually we we so, to, to the point where i don't think we even deserve the chip last year it's like my god you know? <laughs> <Give> <laughs> take it, it away yeah give, give it back man you are naughty. We're taking it away for a month. I'll say one last point on Nurse before, and then we'll go on to the other other series. 
there, there just were a few different things about the scheming I wasn't just sure about. Like, it did seem I, – I don't know if the players are freezing up, but it did, I got the impression that Nurse was trying to just get Pascal going in the fourth yeah, quarter and 100%. just get him the ball. But I was like – after at about the ten minute mark, if you saw that there were a few moments where Pascal had these great plays, and I think that that wasn't um, that's not going to get recognized because of the result. But I I was like, okay, he bailed the team out with whatever that layup or that drive or that spin move or a certain defensive movement. Like, yes, there were a few lapses, but we didn't need him to be the starter creating shots at that point for everybody. We just needed him to play some defense and clean up the boards. Like that's basically mm-hmm. what we needed him to do at that point, and that's where I would disagree with what nurse was doing at the time yeah i think that because I, I if anything i was expecting kyle to just turn it up um fred to just turn it up and we're going to just say okay you know what we're gonna we're either gonna lose or we're gonna win but we're just gonna go aggressive and if i file out the file out which is what i mean the file by kyle is a bit i don't know you're just in the heat of the moment i guess and that happens but it was a bit I don't know how you end up with six fouls at eight minutes to go in the game, but oh, it, um, it was it was it was a bad foul. It was definitely a bad. And foul. just well, just and also just the collection of fouls up to it, right? That you had yeah. five fouls at the eight minute mark. So, like, there were just times where it was clear that Pascal wasn't going to be sure what to do. So you'd think that at six minute mark, you're like, okay, we'll just change it up. We'll just mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. Also, because guys like OG, well, Fred was at twenty plus points at that point, so he was clear. It was clear that he was. Um, you know, ready to go. So anyway, this is Monday morning quarterbacking and everything, but yeah. these are just my impressions that are, as I was going through watching it. Um, Milwaukee, Miami, mm-hmm. like I was definitely surprised um, okay. as much as they were different naysayers about Milwaukee. And even though, yes, I did think of them as potentially a flawed team. I thought they were going to be flawed against Boston or Toronto. I didn't expect them to get just demolished by Miami. Just wrecked. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Do you, do you got any any observations? I was, I, was, I, I was just impressed of how deep they were. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Whenever. Yeah. Whenever Miami, because you know, I, I I hadn't seen a Miami game until I saw one of their bubble games, and then okay. watching the playoffs, I'm just like, oh, like shit. They got all these guys coming off the bench. Like, damn. Like, <laughs> it's it's really good. And yeah, and it's it's funny because I always said that. Um, you know, we've talked about. Um, uh, we've talked about teams like um, Golden State. You know, like they don't have Durant, but they probably still need another like shooter. And I always thought that a guy like Chris Middleton. I, I, I was, I was a big Chris Middleton fan. And I guess, I guess the game that uh, Giannis went down and uh, he kind of had to pick up the slack. Yeah, he stepped up, but he's clearly not a number one. I think we really saw Chris Middleton ceiling um, during that series. That this guy cannot. You know, he, he, he can't win. Yeah. He can't win a semifinals on his own, right? So I think we saw – which which is fine. So those are my kind of uh, takeaways. And also, I know um, I know when you get, like, these uh, sports commentators going on, like, radio shows and TV shows, they always have to pick a sleeper team. So I'm sure someone picked Denver, and I'm sure someone picked Miami. Well, I heard a lot of Miami going into the bubble. Let me, let me just say that. I heard a lot of Miami to the point where it kind of um, – you know, I kind of always had an ear and an eye out for them. So when they've been playing as good as they have been, and when I saw it with my own eyes, I'm thinking, wow, if someone was really paying attention to Miami all year, that they like it wasn't a surprise to some of these people who would who who follow the the heat. And um and um I guess Eric Spolstra is um we can we can talk about um 
Well, actually, we have talked about Eric Spolstra. I so I like he's 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 I guess with Pop gone, he's the longest. Um, he is the longest tenured. You're right. Yeah. Well, Pop's yeah. not gone though. Pop is still he's still with the Spurs. Right. Allegedly. Right. I mean, who knows what happens now? Right. But okay. you're right. But the, the second that Pop's gone from from San Antonio, okay. I mean, yeah. it's it's supposed to be the next. Yeah. Yeah. And I always liked coaches who get those long runs and. I don't know who owns Miami, but I'm assuming it's like, you know, Mickey Harrison. He's uh his business his in the deal? yachts. Yeah. So he's like he's said to be one of the best owners in the in the league just because he well, takes care of the organization. He's clearly he empowers the yeah. staff, runs a and empowers right. Pat Riley. Um, Anyways, pretty good uh, to the they, players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does does Eric Spolstra get that kind of run here in Toronto? Absolutely not. No. I mean, yeah. And so I like seeing that and I always thought of Eric Spolstra as like, what the hell is he doing trying to coach Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Chris Bosch? Like, this is ridiculous, <laughs> right? Like they don't need him. Um, but maybe they did. Maybe he is a good coach. I don't know. I just it's, it's funny, it's funny how like, oh my god, he's been in this league so long. Like that, you know, we talked about the triple H effect, and you know, he's kind of done it for me. He's 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 kind of won me over. I'm like, man, this guy's still coaching, he's getting another solid team with Really, no superstars. I mean, yeah, Jimmy Butler's a star, I suppose, in the in, in the NBA world. But you know, he's not. Um, you know, he, he is what he is, right? He's not. He's he's, he's, he's not a top, top three, ten or fifteen, but not sure. a top five. Yeah, there I know you what you're go. Saying. So he's not world so beater. He doesn't just guarantee you a trip to the finals the way Kevin no, Durant or no, LeBron James does. No. Yeah, I know. So I guess um, I guess with Miami going through, we can preview Miami and Boston. I I, so, refu- I refuse to pick a winner in that one. I'm just going to sit back yeah. and enjoy and and but, let- before you go there, I I was uh, I'm I'm amused how Andre Iguodala, man, just very savvy guy, sits out, takes a break, and then ends up on another potential championship team. Um, it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, just just obviously just knows how to play it. I don't know if I'm happy for a Spolstra. Like, I don't really have a I, I just, I guess, whenever you see somebody who looks like they're working hard, you kind of yeah. appreciate when they get their due. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm amused that we're going to see another Pat Riley, Danny Ainge um, uh, competition. Oh my God, that's right. That it's another Boston Miami conference finals after when the last time they were to, in there was like tw- was probably seven years ago or whatever, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, by the way, good managing by Danny Ainge to just turn that championship team into the Brooklyn trade, which turns it into this just a few years later. Um, So obviously that's really good. Um, And so Boston, Miami. Yeah. I mean, they're right. This one's tough to pick because Miami, like people will say, well, Boston's so battle tested and they, they have these stars in Tatum and um, Tatum and Brown and Marcus smart is really just playing really good through the Mm -hmm. the playoffs here. Like that was a really key block. He had a Norm Powell. Um, By the way, what what do we what do, what do we think of his antics? I I, I mean, I he is it. what he is. I'm not. A, I don't like him. Like all I want to do is put my foot right under his when he jumps, goes for a jump shot. Right? Like he just, he just there. There's nothing cute about it, right? I mean, um, I don't look at him as like a funny type of flopper. Like well, who's that guy on Cleveland? Damon Jones. Um, oh, okay. He, he's a bit of a villain, like Bruce Bowen, where you you kind of want him to get injured. You know, like, okay, the world will be better off if you get injured because you're going to hurt somebody. Um, so <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually thought that was an underrated move on Smart's part going to the game seven. Um, I like the fact that he stirred it up because he know, he knew they were going to play again and he wasn't going to win that game. So what's left to do but to talk shit, right? And 
he, he kind of wore that hat. Oh, I just, I just, I mean, I don't want to say something that I would do, but it's what totally happened. Something- he, oh, talking oh. shit in game seven. You mean? No game six end of game six. Uh, oh, that the end. Of, well, yeah. Like uh, to kind was- of, kind of, kind of, kind of set the table. I'm thinking like, Oh my goodness, who would do something like that? And I thought to myself, Oh my God, that's something I would totally do because <laughs> you have to kind of, I mean, you know, that, that was more to, reactionary like, though. That, that was reactionary. Like he was trying sure. to draw a foul. It didn't happen. And something yeah. said, whatever. And like, then it was that, just, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what people do. I, well, anyways, in, in lieu of no fans and you kind of have to create this atmosphere. I just thought it was great. My wife hated it. She's like, <laughs> he's not smart. He's stupid. I'm like, Oh geez. He hasn't heard that. <laughs> he, he, he hasn't heard that. He hasn't heard that his whole life. Right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. Marcus smart. I mean, you know, I kind of, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was digging it. I was digging it a little That's bit. Great. Yeah. Talk West a bit. The Luca shot, that feels like a lifetime ago, yes, but that was obviously, um, that's one of those seminal moments when you think about the progression of a player. I also yeah. liked his reaction too. Like he didn't, he was obviously celebrating. It wasn't an OG mm-hmm. type celebration, but yeah. he was just like, I made this. I made the comparison to the LeBron three point shot over uh, the magic. If you remember mm-hmm. that final. Yeah, I do. LeBron looked super surprised and happy. He's like, he threw it's like, it's, it's that's the type of reaction of somebody who had no confidence that was going to, he was going to make a play. He's just a Hail Mary. Whereas like Luca, was just cold. Like he just knew he was going to succeed. So I, I see there's a difference there in temperament. So I am curious to think like what kind of career Luca's going to have. It uh, it won't surprise me at all if he actually breaks a bunch of different records that LeBron James sets. I mean, I, obviously there's Whoa. different ones that he won't. But but Ass- you know, assist. It's a bit, he won't touch assists. Yeah, maybe he will not touch assists. You mean he said? I I don't like LeBron's going to be what top three all time when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I don't know. I'm just saying that I don't know all the different stats that there are LeBron mm-hmm. homes, but like Luca, like you see this promise there, whether it's scoring, whether it's passing, or it's just like, he's, how, he's how only like, he again? Ni- he's like 19. Right. Cause he oh, was, uh, I thought he was, I thought it was 21, 22. Oh, snap. no. So that's one of the problems. Like when in the draft, we're like, well, this guy's out of shape. He eats fast. Food. It's like, he's 18, right? He's going to eat fast food. He's not going to have the best conditioning when he's, well, like in terms of conditioning, in terms of effort, when people are like, well, he's, he's a bit pudgy. It's like, you will, that's when you get good trainers around him and you'll like having, teach him how to do stuff having, when he's in his had, 20s. Having been in Serbia, everyone, like he, he's the smallest guy in Serbia and, or oh, sorry, okay. Yugoslavia. Like they're all north of 6'3". It's, it's insane. And so are the women. Um, and the thing that I found with the, um, with uh, the former, you know, all, all the all the former Yugoslavian uh, people that I know, and then having been in Serbia, is that um, they all kind of have that tallish, lean build, and okay. um, you just 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 to be safe, assume that they're all decent athletes. I, that's that's all I okay. can say. I've, I, I I saw like three pickup soccer games when I was there, and I okay. saw these guys that kind of look like Luka, kind of look like Jokic. Vlad okay. Divac, yeah, Tony Lavics. Kukoc, yeah, just just these guys that you're like thinking like, oh my god, like these guys would get destroyed in like, you know, California or something like that, right? With those old SoCal beach bikes, like they like it was just incredible to see like the pace that they can have, and I think it's just uh, I think it's just a genetic thing from that part of the world, man. They're just built differently, and yeah. they show different types of muscle definition. But when it comes to ball and stick sports, um, yeah, they're game. Okay, he's uh, just for the record, he's six seven. I'm just looking it up now. Um, oh wow, Clippers, Dallas. So I mean, I, I mean, obviously Dallas is going to be back, and they're going to be 
be, be really strong in future years. Just look out for Luca to be MVP candidate next year, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just see how it goes. Um, the, the Lakers and Blazers, I really have no comment. To be honest, I find the Lakers to be the most boring team to watch this playoffs. I, there, there are some games I just have yeah. not even watched. That's I don't know funny, why, right? but mm-hmm. I'll tell you one observation that drives me crazy, and this could be like a whole other topic, really. It's just okay. watching Anthony Davis play like a guard drives me nuts. Like, face up behind the threes, shoot it's threes. Weird. It's, it's weird. Yeah. When you're the biggest guy in the court and you can overpower everybody, that's the same complaint I had about Marcus Allen. Now people say, well, you know, you're not following the analytics. I'm like, no, well, here's my, here's what I think. Like, statistically, if I am like a foot taller than you, I probably have a better shot of just shooting over you without you blocking my shot. I'm pretty sure that that's the case, right? So, anyway, um, Blazers, there's really nothing. To add. Oh, I was going to say about Carmelo. I know Carmelo feels good because he got his points, and I guess it's you're kind of you always root for this, these comeback stories, but mm-hmm. I think like. And he made a comment like, well, he hopes to be back. And he thinks because he had this good performance, he'll be back. Every time he has a good performance, like, not every time, obviously, but a lot of times he has a good performance, the teams lose. He, he just does this on losing teams. And I always remember Chauncey Billups' quote where he just said a while, a while back, he's like, it meant too much to Melo to have to score like 20 points or whatever it was. Like, it was more important for him to score more than to win. And mm. it just he's just like that. And so I will not be surprised if that's the end of Melo in the league just because you know, yeah, he's older. I, 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 I will just take issues slightly. Because I would have said that about like New York Knicks Carmelo, where I just needed to pad his stats and just you know he wanted to be like a good fantasy draft pick type of thing. But I don't know, man. I feel like this guy like really bought in skinny mellow, all that stuff. Um, he is no, no, yeah, he's yeah, bought in. But I, I just mean that like I don't know if Mello at 34, 35 yeah. years old, whatever that age is. As small forward in this team, like you're going to pick him over. I don't know what other small forwards are they going to be in the market. Um, but you're, you're reminding me now of, uh, and obviously they're not comparable in terms of resumes. But um, um, who's the um, who's the Slavic guy for the uh, comes off the bench for Miami? Dragic. Oh, uh, well, Dragic, well, right? Dragic. I thought he was a starter. Now. I don't think he's but a starter. He's- no. Because I'm okay. pretty sure I'm pretty sure when I saw game five, they were saying, or sorry, game four, that the um, that the um, the discussion they had at the start of the season was that listen, you are 30, whatever now, 34, so maybe the same age as Mello. Okay. And but we need you coming off the bench and you know, can you help us this way? And he totally bought in. Now asking a guy like Carmelo who's kind of at that DeMar DeRozan stage in his life, like what do you do with him type of thing? Yeah, I think if like you don't want Carmelo, like do you not want Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench of a championship team, caliber team? I, I, I think he'd be pretty good if he buys in, if he accepts that that's the kind of player he is now, which I think he would be. You're maybe you're right. Maybe he's the type uh, of guy. Zoran was a starter point guard. Yeah, so I just picked up one random game. He's a starter. Yeah, I don't know. I just, point I just, guard. Yeah. I just feel like um, I just feel like someone could could catch you know could could have an off season discussion with him say hey we could really use you in um, I don't know pick a team even um, even I don't know Philly but if they if if, if Philly stays together um, he could probably help them if he bought in and if they um, we'll see I mean I I just yeah like when we when we go over like free agency and postseason mm-hmm. and all that stuff and we'll dive into that but um yeah. i just i, I was like sh- i i didn't have a great feeling about Melo at the end of that series gotcha um so okay houston okc um 
man, Chris Paul, like there was always that there was always that stigma about him about not being able to show up in the in the fourth in like when it really counted in the playoffs. And I just don't I don't really recall where it came from. But people would sort of have that criticism of him. Yeah, On one seriously. hand, you're like great, great, just showing up and like in that critical game six, like just was it two big three pointers in that game, whatever. It was just put them over the edge to tie it up. But then when it when it came to the real important moment in game seven in the last couple of plays, like he's driving, and I just was thinking in my head, like he he ended up like passing it off to. Uh, Lou Dort or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, he just was sort of absent in the last few minutes. And I'm like, man, like you need to have the ball. You need to demand the ball. That sequence of, let me show you what was going through my head because I was, was locked into it. I really wanted to see OKC win because I guess the way that the Rockets dumped Chris Paul, I was like, oh, that would be mm-hmm. great if Paul just sort of one ups them. Plus, yeah. I just hate James Harden so much. I just like seeing him lose. And then also, I don't like the Rockets. Um, you, you got I your don't wish. like Tillman Fertitta. I don't like that guy. So I just like seeing them lose and lose. And ditto, lose ditto, ditto. Oh, okay. I thought you were a Rockets fan, but anyway. Oh, um, I am, but no, no, no. Tillman Fertitta. Okay. So um, so with Chris Paul, like, and, and this Billy Donovan drove me crazy. I almost think that he's just getting too much credit for – I can't think of anything memorable that he's ever done as a coach. And, like, people are going to credit him for the season when I really credit Chris Paul, like, for steering okay. his whole team throughout the season and um out of the timeouts i don't know what was going on like why is shade Shade gildress alexander doing the inbound it should have been like steven adams or uh i'm trying to think of who else they had on like a veteran somebody who's a big calm who could kind of make some quick quick decisions even if you had to sub some new guy in but don't put in the undersized guard rookie who was already having a kind of a shaky kind of last couple games in the series a bit like Pascal, like a young guy who probably just, you know, he's going through his growing pains. So don't give him the ball because then when he ended up inbounding the ball, and this is, I'm fast forwarding to the last play of the game, actually, but there were, there were a couple inbound plays. I don't know what they were doing. Um, it just looked so disjointed. I don't know. I was so disappointed in that play because like Gildress passes it to Adams, who's right at the three-point line. I don't know what he's going to do with 1.6 seconds left. Paul's not demanding anything. You'd think that he'd be clapping his hands or running around run to the basket because then you could at least lob the ball over. I don't know. Like, just give yourself a chance. And really, I think what should have happened, um, just go for the three-point shot. That's what should have happened. Like, just you live or die by it. You're going to win or you're going to lose. And you're not going to beat this team in, in um, you know, overtime or anything like that. So just try it. But he didn't even do that. So he was he just kind of got caught driving into the middle, getting the double team. I, did you catch a game today with Denver and Clippers? I didn't. I um, sadly, I got it was week one of NFL football, okay. so I was kind of watching Bills and Niners. I hope Niners is your now new team, and um, yeah. So I saw the highlights, and looks like Jokic so, had himself a game. Okay, not so I am. I don't know what's going on. It was crazy. I, I checked the score. It was in. Uh, but so what I've been doing now is, is if I don't really have that much interest in watching a whole game, I'm just sort of checking it how it's going into the half, and if it's like mm-hmm. reasonably close, I'll turn it on. Um, so I like checked it. They're down. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, they're gonna lose. I guess that's it because uh, it's the middle of the day. I'm just gonna do other stuff. And so then I check it again and I'm like, wait, they're even or they're up or they're whatever. It was like, well, they really closed it. So then I got to turn it on. I don't know what I was watching. I don't know how the Nuggets pulled this one out. Like they were just falling out and the Clippers just looked, I don't know. It's like disinterested or they're not talking or, or what, but um, the Nuggets look strong. And like, I will not be surprised if they win game seven, not at all. Um, 
Jokic, Murray, they all just play with so much confidence. They're just feeling really loose. You can see it. And by the way, Jokic, like the other game, game six, like he had a fast break. The slowest fast break I think I've ever seen. It was hilarious. Just like he's taking the ball coast to coast. He's drawing um, baseline to baseline. He's got like clippers all like in transition. It's like it's essentially like a one or two on four. He's just dribbling, dribbling, dribbling slowly, slowly, slowly. And then he ends up just taking it in. I'm like, how did this happen? I don't really understand what's going on. Um, really remarkable. Really remarkable. Um, the um, I just want to say this this kind of like subtle loathing or major loathing you have for the Lakers. I kind of have for the Clippers. Okay. Um, now I will. Cause it got quiet. Yeah. I, like it's, it's funny. Cause like we just made fun of like Toronto being for these, like these dumb homers. And like, here I am like, Oh, Kawhi left my city. Um, I guess it's just like the way he kind of left this city. It's just like, shut up and give the damn key back. Like, like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> um, Okay. He, he he knew right then and there he wasn't coming back. I'm sorry. I've I've actually gone back and Mayor John Tory is like looking at us like Mr. Kawhi, just know you have the key to our hearts and the key to the city. And uh well, you're a fine young man. And uh he knew right then and there, man, it was like he's gonna get his crazy uncle involved and he's just he's he's you know, he's a shrewd businessman. Um but um yeah, you, you know what? But 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 honestly though, Kawhi Leonard in following him for a year. And now, so a year with Toronto, and then kind of a year I've been watching the Clippers more closely. Um, he's kind of turning into this Tom Brady um, athlete for me. Um, kind of like these, you know, Tom Brady kind of started off as like this golden boy for football. And now he's just the kind of guy that's like, you know, you're at your local Arby's and he's like, I demand to see the manager type of thing. He's just kind of turned into this like old grouch. And, and Kawhi is... <laughs> Like they they say, oh Kawhi's so quiet. I'm like Kawhi is talking on every single play, man. Like you know, I, people for for years have had a hard time with Kyle Lowry here in Toronto. It's like, man, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Like Kawhi just doesn't do it for me. He's he's kind of a little too passive aggressive for me. He's um, Kawhi he plays. Yeah, Kawhi is. Oh yeah, hundred okay. percent. Like I don't know if I'm seeing something different than everyone else, or maybe it's because I want to see something different. I wouldn't put that past me, but. Look, Kawhi Leonard's just kind of not doing it for me. And I guess with the whole Pat Bev and Paul George, and Paul George, who I thought was like kind of better than that, what they did to Damian Lillard that one game, just kind of being these little these little jerk-offs on the sidelines yeah. there. I was just like, all right, like you guys are like you guys are like Cobra Kai. You're supposed to like destroy everyone in <laughs> like in like all valley. Like stop being bullies. Like you're the best team on paper and like let Damian Lillard like have his little moments and let him just run around and, you know, score 50 and stuff. Like what's it to you guys, you know, just like, you know, being these little shitheads on the side. So, yeah. So the Clippers have turned into that team. The only one I really like is, is Lou Williams because uh, I kind of always dug his game here in Toronto. And um, I've heard him on interviews as well, just kind of talking about Toronto. And um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely rooting for um, for for Denver, and uh, if it does come to a Clippers Lakers matchup, um, I, I guess I'll pull for Lakers. I don't know. It's um, okay. Yeah. So here, here's here, here's what I'll say. One observation of of, um, of of Kawhi, and then I'll talk about the conference finals in a second. Yeah. Okay. Kawhi, he's showing me, and maybe it was obvious to other people, but at least when I was watching the Clippers, like only there's really only two players I can really think of 
off my head who are consistently year after year where they could silence a crowd with a shot. Like, yeah, break momentum, which was Kobe and Michael. That was basically it. Um, mm-hmm. It just it doesn't matter if you've got this, like, you're getting, like, a 5-0 run or an 8-0 run and the team needs a basket, and then Kobe will always just hit a shot, and it'll just stop you. I always remember that 2010 Suns series where the Suns were really close to winning and going to the going to the finals, but then Kobe could just hit these insane shots and it would just silence the crowd. It would just, it just, no matter how much momentum you're getting, like these, this guy's hitting these buckets and Kawhi can do that. Like it, it didn't matter that the nuggets were just rolling. Kawhi was, was um, hitting a shot. It was just, he wouldn't go away. And it was just, it wasn't breaking. He was never, he was not breaking like way Paul George or way many other plays, even LeBron breaks. Like Kawhi just kept going. Can um, I just add, can I just add one yeah. more thing for, for Kawhi, what he did with Toronto it's okay. not just he sometimes scored. He would just get that. He would get. He would get a. He'd get a ball fake, and he get the guy in the air and get the foul. It was just, and you know that it was. Um, you know what it was strategy on his part that he was just feeling the defense and he's like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just gonna draw a foul right now. It's, you know, they're on a nine-two run, and yeah, I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna. I uh, feel like yeah, I, I, it's, it's time for me to go to the free throw line type of thing. So. Yeah, uh, just very calm. Ha- ha- yeah, very calm, very strategic. Knows what he's doing. In knows control. in control, and so I'll just add that to you know, kind of to his 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 forming legacy. That yeah, he can do that. You know, he can do that inside. Uh, he can basically hit that dagger shot, but he can also um, he can also draw that dagger foul, which is just I've never seen anyone like that. I don't even think I saw Michael and Kobe just yeah. kind of like yeah, I'm I'm, I'm just going to draw a foul right now. Let's say we're talking about the conference finals, Lakers versus Denver Clippers. Like, okay, number one, I kind of think that Denver's just going to pull this one out. I feel like the momentum, oh, I mean, really? the odds are against them because oh. when you go down 3 1, like you have a 75% chance of losing that series. So, I mean, the, the yeah. Clippers, their odds, historical odds are on Clippers' side. But it just, like, there's a certain demeanor that other 3 1 teams have that I don't see the Clippers have. The Clippers kind of look a little shook. They look a little shook, so I don't know. Wow. But if you I have a conference right. finals, do you think the Lakers are just a better team than both of those teams and they're just going to the finals? They're it's, going, po- yeah. it's possible for the same reasons that you said that, Did, you know, yeah, because yeah. Anthony Davis will just, I don't know if he ignores the analytics or he just whatever. He'll just kind of, he'll just kind of play a style that yeah. um, makes him, like I can see him kind of having his way with Jokic. I can kind of see him having his way with um Shit, who's the guy for uh, Clippers? Um, their center. Um, uh, I think of his name right now. There you go. Like definitely him. Um, but you know, I think I've we've mentioned another pod as well. If if passes prologue, the games that I saw Lakers and Clippers play in the regular season, it was I believe at least it feels like to me that Lakers were on very good runs prior to playing the Clippers like winning four or five in a row and you know, here they are playing the Clippers and they just, yeah. Kawhi just puts on quite the show. We don't have to, we don't have to talk about Houston and why you think, um, why you think James Harden's hall of fame jackets are 42 large, but I don't even want to talk about James Harden really. Cause it's like, it's just, we've seen what it is. It's like, that's who he is. I got my opinion just continues to be what it is of him. It doesn't get any better. And, and the block doesn't change anything for me. Like to me, that's just a, like a, that's just like a lucky block he got. Um, that's <laughs> it's like he jumped up, he got it, and he's super. He jacked. He's just jacked up. Like, he, he's well, I, like think, I think I think he was jacked up because he was like one of nine. 
and yeah, you so know, he knew, he knew he had to do something, right? He had so. to do something, and he thinks, and and there's multiple thoughts probably going through his head at that moment. Where one is, he's like surprised he got it, just like LeBron was surprised he got that three pointer, and he's just going nuts. The other part is he's probably thinking that this is going to change his legacy, and won't change his legacy. He's what he is, and we're seeing that. We just saw that in the Lakers I, series. I, I think I think um, you're giving him way too much credit thinking about that. James no, not Hart, thinking subconsciously, sub just I, all I think, the subconscious. I think James Harden's just thinking of all the strip clubs he can't attend during this <laughs> COVID bubble. I think that's Fair really enough. at the heart of him. But um, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, what the heck has happened to him? Like, when did this guy win an MVP award? Where's oh, yeah, that guy never... been? Well, like, what happened to that athlete? Because that's what I'm. Well, he, like... he was injured and he came back now, and I don't know if there's lingering effects that sort of affect him when he's injured. But they um... just like the Lakers were just. You know, hey, buddy, three points all yours. Go for it. We want you to take that <laughs> shot. I've, I've, I don't think I've seen a player. I can't think of the last time I've seen a player that shot. I mean, Derek Rose, and you know, but that guy had like that guy's bionic. Like, I don't, I never expected him to come back um, the way that he did. But um, I don't think Russ has had like career-ending injuries or anything like that. He's just had kind of wear and tear injuries something about his game i'm just trying to think of like a former mvp only a couple years removed from that mvp still young i think he's either 30 or 31 and just already a shell of himself i just i was yeah. i was shocked i don't know i mean i think the lakers just stifled the rockets like I, the rockets are always a flawed team to begin with um so i mean like Russell and his his athleticism is going to decline as he gets older, and his game is predicated on his athleticism more than really any strong basketball IQ or anything. So mm-hmm. I'm not too surprised. Now we'll wrap it up with this last part here. Let's say it's going to be Lakers finals against either Miami, Boston. The storylines there are just unbelievable when you think about this. So it's LeBron, true. these teams are all connected to one another through multiple layers from Pat Riley to Danny Ainge to LeBron to like how Anthony Davis was the prized asset that Boston had sought for so long. Jimmy Butler had wanted to join an LA team and it didn't really, never really came to fruition. Um, uh, you have, I, I, I didn't know that. Well, it was, it was always talked about right when, when D- Jimmy Butler was with Minnesota, I was like, well, well Jimmy is a free agent. He's going to want to go to a big market. He's going to go, want to go to LA. Cause he's, he's, he's a big time player now. And he, he, he's got celebrity friends, all that kind of stuff and whatever. And then somehow it just never, it was like, okay, well, we're going to drop that story. Cause he's in Philly now. Oh, we're going to drop that story. Cause he's now with Miami. So mm. <clears throat> seems like professional athletes like to play where they can win. So anyway, um, I, I just I I find it really interesting to see where this can go. Like if we get yeah. another Lakers Celtics finals after everything we've seen, and cool man, that's great. It's good to good to talk to you again. Yeah, likewise. Okay, catch you later. Composition. Seen a lot of shame in the game. Seen a lot of pain with the fame.